Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this week in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I have Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Guys, what's up? It's all good. It's been pretty good, pretty intense, but hanging in there. Oh, so you've been camping? (laughs) Not yet. Intense? Ah, Pretty intense. intense. Yeah, oh, uh, I know it's bad pun day. So, uh, Central will be picking the show up before we know it. But it is pretty in, yeah, intense. I don't know. We'll see. Come May, I'll be sleeping in. Well, we'll see. All right, we'll <laughs> we'll see. All right. So anyway, so uh, we've got uh, IndyCar starting up this week. Um, Formula One in Imola. Uh, NASCAR had a race this past week in uh, Martinsville. And uh, where are we off to next next week in uh, NASCAR land? We are heading Richmond. to Richmond. Heading to Richmond, that is correct. Eight time, no less. So we should expect the racing to be quite stellar because usually those day races have been pretty criminally underrated over time, though how good those races are. When I said nighttime, those are rarely rare now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Richmond is uh, one of those interesting tracks that uh, it's at times produces really great racing, but it, it can also produce a total dud, uh, you know, but uh, before we talk about Richmond too much, let's uh, let's, let's look back at Martinsville. We had yet another weather delay. Um, I mean, the nice <laughs> thing was the, the race was scheduled Saturday. So it was able to run on Sunday. So it wasn't too an, an entirely empty racetrack. Uh, although these days with the limited in-person attendance uh, that we're still seeing all the racetracks look a little empty to compared to what we're seeing here, but it was a typical uh, Martinsville race with a lot of beating and banging. And, and again, like we've seen Penske cars, very strong. Uh, Ryan Blaney looked to have this whole thing under control, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's, it's Martin Truex uh, winning at Martinsville again. Uh, he won, won there for the first time with last year or the year before um, after not being able to ever win in a short track. So uh, Truex certainly has Martinsville figured out again or figured <laughs> out, figured out now. Uh, but but uh, Penske guys are still just a victim of their own mistakes. The pit stops were terrible for Blaney, weren't they, Luis? It bit him when it mattered most that he got that speeding penalty because he it was he and Denny Hamlin battling for the win pretty much nearly the whole entire race. In fact, if I think it's like the top four stage finishers and both of them remain the same in place somewhere not within that line. But yeah, it turned out to be another disappointing night because it ended at night for for Team Penske. Yes, they've won two out of the last three races, but. That very third one that they lost compared to winning, it goes back to what's been the theme of this season, whether it's pit stops, whether it's a late race incident, or just completely anything that could go wrong has gone wrong for Team Penske. The fortunate thing we're ta- when we're talking about is they actually have two wins with Blaney being one of them already. So, right, yeah, and, still and, discouraging to and be and Logano being the other, yeah. But the thing is, if you look at this, if you look at their performance. They could easily have five or six wins. Yeah, they would. You know, we but, would talk about so, them as the team to beat. Period. Right, and, and now, now most Gibson uh, Hendrick, most teams. This what are we eight races into the season? 
we'll be pretty happy with two wins and two of the guys in their chase. But, you know, you know, and I know that uh, Roger Penske and the entire Penske organization set their goals a little higher than that. So these guys have got to be oh beyond frustrated, I would imagine. Yeah, that's for sure. It's, it dawned on me that Joey Logano, I mean, was it Brad Keselowski only has that one stage win? Some of them can't, don't even have that many stage wins, but they are still able to be strong. The question is, they cannot have this, these kind of problems in the postseason. So when we go back there in November, I'd imagine if Blaney is in a situation where he has a shot of that championship four, because that's been his Achilles heel, the postseason, if he makes it that far, a great run like he had is encouraging, but they got to clean up the piss of it. You cannot have a Chase Elliott moment. You'll have that once in a while, but you cannot have that luck all the time. It's just the, just the nature of the beast when it comes to racing. Pit stops can be an absolute gremlin, and that was the case for Blaney. And for Hamlin, on the other hand, another great run. He's been really strong in the points, but he still does not have that win. And he finished third once more to Martin Truex Jr. And with Truex, this case, now he has two wins. That is quite significant because if you look back a year ago, he only got that one Martinsville win in that weeknight race. Now he's back on track. And I think having James Small in his second year, I think they're finally building something where they left, where Cole Pern left off to do his own thing. And that one time he did the Indy 500 with Connor Daly. Right. So now Truex is the first guy to win more than one race this year. He's the, he's our first repeat winner after having yep. a different mm-hmm. winner in every race, which really shows how, how competitive um, the, the series is this season, which, uh, you know, I've, I've enjoyed watching. And just when you look at the amount of guys who still have the ability, you know, to win, uh, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a, a real chase to the championship, if you will, you know, if you don't mind me stealing an older NASCAR uh, uh, thing there, but um, yeah, but uh, Truex seems to be more comfortable in his shoes at Joe Gibbs than when he first started there. It took him a little while to, uh, you know, make that transition from, uh, you know, Furniture Row to being part of that much larger Gibbs organization. But he seems to be just quite comfortable. He, he seems to drive really smart. You know, he's 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 there when it matters at the end. You know, you don't, yeah. you, don't you don't you don't you don't you don't need to lead the whole race. You just need to be there at the end. So um, a good job for Truex, because this is a guy who just a couple of years ago, the knock on him was that he couldn't win on a short track. Yeah, now he's got pl- plenty of short tracks, especially in Martinsville under his belt. And that's the thing about Truex is that some people have noted that he's probably one of the more cleaner racers out there. He'll try to race you hard in, in a sense of fairway. Don't need to use the chrome horn like like he's had, he's dealt with sure. He gets a lot of rubs people the wrong way when he gets all frustrated, but all drivers do. And then again, it kind of associates the fact that Joe Gibbs drivers are that way because that's kind of like the norms. Like, oh, Kyle Bush complains about this, or Denny Hanlon, or, or Truex. He got all that JG yard bug and all that. But that's just how it is sometimes. But for Truex, what I will give him credit, and I think is undeniable for the most all intents and purposes, he'll run you aggressive, but in a good way, not that's don't have to use all the fenders or everything, which some people can admire. And that's kind of what happened with Hamlin because both of them, if you recall a while back, Hamlin and Truex were getting rubbing fenders and both of them were getting mad at one another mid-race. Now they had a battle for the win that favored Martin. Yeah, yeah. And and to Denny's credit, I mean, that that's his home track. He's won a, a number of races there at, at Martinsville. I always, I always expect a lot out of a – um, Denny Hamlin at Martinsville. So, you know, even though he didn't, didn't, you know, get the win there, he, he again was there at the end he, and Martinsville sometimes can be a battle of uh, survival, you know, with the, the beating and the banging. But the nice thing about Martinsville is that I've always enjoyed about that particular race is you can, you can still be very competitive with a banged up car because, you know, the arrow is not really important with the lower speeds. Um, and I still remember Harry Gant, winning, winning the race in the car that was missing the, you know, the whole front quarter and being held together with duct tape. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's a battle of survival, but it's not necessarily a battle of attrition, even with, even, you know, with the, um, the, the rule where the, um, the, what do they call it? The, uh, the damage clock rule. We still the, see, the, we, we the still, DVD. yeah, we still see much of the field running at, at the finish there at Martinsville. And I've always, 
I've always just really enjoyed that track. The race in there hasn't changed much over the year. Uh, Martinsville, as a matter of fact, is the the race that, that got me hooked on NASCAR to begin with. You know, I was a big Formula One IndyCar guy. I'd watch some NASCAR here and there. But, uh, you know, the first time I went to a NASCAR race, it was at Martinsville. And I was like, golly, this place is nuts. This is amazing. You know, so and and it's still there, the oldest track on the circuit. And and I really I really hope it doesn't. You know, every now and again, I wonder if Martinsville is going to go by the wayside like a North Wilkesboro did just just because it's old and a part of the past. But I think it's just uh, it's it's an important part of the past. And I think it's just a very entertaining event. Yeah. I think those concerns have been gone a long while ago because I know one of NASCAR man and Brock Beard's videos were talking about Marsville being endangered at one point on the being on the chopping block. But fortunately, that will never we didn't get to see that. And I think with that being a night race now, I think it shows that all things are going to be fine with that paperclip circuit. Yeah, I know they got rid of the azaleas and the grass and everything, which I understand is unfortunate because this looks, looks weird on pavement, but. At least we still have that track out there, and it's now become quite a unique fixture. Speaking of unique fixtures, before you want to mention something about Rick Ware Racing, because aside <laughs> from that big wreck, aside from Daniel Suarez throwing the water bottle to William Byron after that big wreck on the backstretch, Cody Ware and Jace Davison. I was not expecting that to be like the big beef of this whole entire race. Because usually short tracks, tempers flare, but I was not expecting it between teammates where one just announced it's going to be running NASCAR, won't be running the Indy 500. And then there's the other one that's trying to qualify for the Indianapolis 500. But the way things were in testing, that's a huge insurmountable task they got in store. And all those heads, the person based on the radio seems like even Rick Ware was not happy with his son, the way he was driving his teammate, Chase Davidson, who brings some money. And, and I'd imagine if you give him good equipment, James Davison will probably be better of the two. And there's no disputing that. Because look what James Davison did with Sebastian Bourdais' coin car in 2017. He was, he was, getting, he was getting a knack of it. And then, obviously, he got collected in that big wreck. But for my concern about Cody, that's the thing we kind of talked about, Richard, a, a bit. That kind of attitude, that kind of behavior, the way he was driving and the way his teammate, even his father, were mad at him. I said to tell him to knock it off and everything. You got to think that it's either he's like, he, he focused so much on the open wheels in Indianapolis trying to get accommodated to where jumping into a stock car, the transition is very, very weird and bizarre, or just the way he's been perceived that may concern the IndyCar drivers. And the last thing I'd imagine you want to see is a guy like Montoya, Bourdais, or Will Power get affected by by where and his dri- and sometimes his questionable driving and reputation to where it's not going to bode well. And as far as the comments that James told Cody, was it out of line? Yes, it was heat of the moment for sure. But they got to get it together, both of them do, because one will either go or they just got to have to get used to being teammates because one way or the other, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And if I were Cody, I just focus on you and see what happens in the month of May, because I still think there's an insurmountable task for him to make it at this point. Yeah, it's, it is. Um, <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. It, it, sorry. If the, if the IndyCar guys are worried about um, uh, Cody Ware's um, sort of questionable driving habits, um, has anybody ever seen what Santino Ferrucci did when he was in GP2? I think they'll be okay with Cody Ware. They'll put him in his place pretty quickly. Well, yeah, that's why you have those. That's why I mentioned those guys' names. I mean, that mentioned Montoya oh, yeah. in discussion because they keep, sometimes it's like, okay, they'll you take it, they'll car take, you aggressiveness. Know, you know, Will Power will be like, hey, Cody, come behind the holders for a minute. And they'll, you know, they'll sort him out. <laughs> they won't have to worry about him during the race. I think for the way he, he makes did the race. Test, yeah, for sure. I think how he did in testing was not bad. I just still ponder that big concern. Hopefully, we don't have to worry about that, whether he makes it or not. But if he makes it, then I hope it doesn't end up in that situation where this could become a, such a burden. Because no, I want I, him to be I, good. I, I would imagine, I would imagine that, that young Cody Ware, despite his youth, is smart enough to realize that you can't drive an Indy car at 230 miles an hour this in the same fashion that you drive a, a stock car at Martinsville. 
or a um, sports car as well, because that's kind of also his main foray as well. Outside of NASCAR, is doing the Age of Le Mans and the Rolex Forty Four. Right, and he's and he's performed decently uh, in in those in in those classes there. So yeah, but again, you know, you get a short track race, and it's a totally different beast, you know. And and you can do that bumping and banging, and and, and let the temper get the best of you. And and uh, you know, so I, I would yeah. imagine he's smart enough to to realize that that sort of behavior isn't gonna fly to Indianapolis. In fact, it could get somebody killed, you know. And and I imagine that he's smart enough to realize that. And that's again, like you say, assuming he makes the field, he's he's you know when people talk about who's gonna get bumped, he's pretty much the first name to come up. You know, you're talking with a uh, uh, a guy with zero IndyCar races under his belt. Um, you know, young, young guy, very few NASCAR races under his belt. I think he's only got what 10 cup starts. Oh no, he's got plenty. He's been driving cups since 2017, but on a part-time basis. All right. Pretty much end up being part-time. I know he's pretty much full-time this season in cup. albeit he switched points and to Xfinity. He hasn't driven hardly any Xfinity to get the points, which I still question that motive by the team as to why you'd put him in Xfinity. If he's not even running it still. It's like if you're going to run the whole cup year, except for the 600 at the moment, you might as well go for the points and see where it goes. Don't just drop three to four races and go do Xfinity, collect Xfinity points, only not to run Xfinity after you make the declaration. It's just the littlest things. But no, I totally understand. But it's just kind of is astonishing that that those two have those moments because apparently there's some history between those two. I couldn't really fully tell you that, but the way they were acting towards one another to the point that Rick Ware had to put his foot down and tell his son to get it together. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's very is rather concerning in some elements. It's like if there is animosity between those two drivers, then that's on them. We can't control it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, see, I've uh, I've met Davidson a couple of times and, and spoken with him. He doesn't really come off as a hothead. You know what I mean? And this is even you know, even in his days running like you know the SRO sports cars and whatnot that he's that he's ran a lot of races in in that discipline. Uh, so I, I, I it, it Cody must really just get under his skin and rub him the wrong way to, to get that kind of reaction out of Davison. Davison is a, generally speaking a pretty level headed guy. Yeah, it doesn't help that there was in, there were contact between them multiple times, not just the Sunday portion, but the little bit that we ran on Saturday night. In fact. That, that that was the incident before the torrential downpour came in and postponed the race much later in the, the Sunday. Right. And then they had a couple more incidents. It's like, good, good grief. It's like, it's, it's, it's just how things fall into place. Like, uh, get figure. It's like the way it's bo- <laughs> it boils down to is like, it's like we're a week removed that James said he's going to be focusing on NASCAR entirely this year. And then this thing happens like, you gotta be careful. You gotta think about these little things. Like, oh, I wonder how he feels now about it. But hopefully, at Richmond, cooler he- cooler heads prevail and they move on from it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Richard, um, you're being quiet over there. <laughs> so, uh, what I mean, what are your what are your thoughts coming out of out of Martinsville here? Before, I mean, before uh, we move forward in our discussion, it was you, you're something you classic. Um, you know, short track race, wasn't it? I I must admit, when I, I did the bits of the race, I did so I, I found the, the sort of little handbags, if you like, between uh, Davison Way, you know, quite funny. It's your typical, like, short track thing. You know, you, you look at the guys and you imagine they've just had, a, you know, the big one at Daytona and they've almost killed each other. You know, the way they're reacting, it's like, dude, you were probably going at about 80 miles an hour when you turned him. You know, it's not exactly um, edge of the seat stuff, is it? It's all a little bit pathetic really especially for teammates running for 25th and 26th or whatever it was um yeah 
that was a little bit silly. But uh, I, I thought the comments that uh, you know were made earlier about Martin Truex um, is quite interesting. You know, I don't think anybody would put Truex in like the top two or three fastest outright guys in NASCAR. You know, if, if you want somebody to to you know set a quick lap, you know, he's not the guy that you'd you'd look to to ring the maximum out of a car. But he certainly has the ability to execute well and get the job done and do what he needs to do to bring the car home. And, you know, he's there at the end of the race more often than not. You know, very rarely do you see him start the race well and drop back. He's typically the guy that will be running like seventh or eighth at the end of stage one and, you know, slowly pick it up throughout the race. That's the mentality he's got. That's the mentality that the team's got. And um, I think they're doing a you know a really good job there. Uh, you know, with good machinery and a good team behind them, there there'll be a challenger come the end of the season for the championship, no doubt. But um, yeah, you know, Martinsville unfortunately it was meant to be under the lights, obviously, but it wasn't. You know, it got pushed back to Sunday afternoon. Um, and you know, I, I really don't think that the the race is under threat anymore. I mean. The investment to make that a, a night race, you know, the investment to put those lights in and be running into the millions of dollars. So I don't think Martinsville would have been naive enough to turn around and invest that sort of money without some sort of long-term contract there from 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 NASCAR. But, um, yeah, you know, short track racing, you know, a bit of bumping and banging, and it is what it is. And uh, on to Richmond for, for, you know, what's that? It's a one-mile oval, isn't it? It's sort of a... Cross between uh, a short track and three quarter mile. Yeah, I was gonna say three yeah, it's, mile. Okay. yeah, it's just yeah, not not quite a mile. Um, yeah, but the interesting Seven thing eight, about yeah. the interesting thing about uh, Martinsville there is when we talk about you know, how it was considered to be on the chopping block not that many years ago. I, you know, until it was purchased from its original owners by uh, with SMI. Um, but uh, there was a you know a movement towards all these cookie cutter tracks, you know, when we're building all these 1.5 miles oval, there was a movement towards all these tracks being the same. Now it seems like the, the thought process is, is variety. You know, now, 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 got now to, yeah. yeah, now we feel like the series needs in the nineties. It was fine. If they, every, every track we add was a 1.5 mile copy of Charlotte, you know? Um, and, yeah. And that seemed to seem to really work well for a while, but now it's, you know, variety is the spice of life. Look at the, road courses that we've added and the you know we put a, the roval in in charlotte and we're running the indianapolis road course and and you know so the uh, we're throwing dirt on bristol um these are all adding variety to that uh that that, that cookie cutter mentality that we had in the 90s that was successful but now uh, i think that whole philosophy keeps martinsville relatively safe safe because it is a very mm-hmm. unique track yeah Oh, yeah. I mean, is, is it going to be a track that produces the most entertaining racing of the season? Probably not. But if you want to have a definitive championship, then, it, it, you know, half-mile tracks are a staple of of what is stock car racing, fundamentally, isn't it? I mean, you know, a lot of these guys who are grown up midget racing on, like, quarter-mile tracks, you know? Like you've got at Charlotte on the front stretch that goes on the pit road and the you know, loops around onto the start finish line. Yeah, you know, that little, a little, little little bandolero yeah. track. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and that's you know the short track races are, you know, all the guys that are, are racing in in Cup Series will have grown up on those. So I think you've got to have it, and it it does add something to it. Um, you know, it, it's. I remember listening to people trying to sort of justify and explain the differences between all all the mile and a half tracks on the calendar and how each one has its own unique characteristics. And it's like, geez, I mean, it's like splitting hairs really, isn't it? And I know they're right in what they were saying fundamentally, but it's still, they all look the same to a, not a fan, should we say, you know, somebody who just flicks it on and turns it on and watches it on TV goes, Oh, look, there's a cup car going around a mile and a half track. Great. You know, it all looks the same. But now this year, you're not going to have that. You're going to have, you know, Oh, look, there's a, NASCAR going around road course. Oh, that's interesting. Let's watch that. You know, it, it, it creates that variety, as you say. And, um, you know, Martinsville, again, is something a little bit, excuse me, a little bit different. And I think it's important to have. I agree. 
So we're on to Richmond, like we said. So you guys care to make a prediction for the Richmond race? I couldn't go wrong with Penske again. I think we'll see. The difference is it's a daytime surface. But I still feel like Brad Kosofsky is probably going to be the guy to beat. I will keep an eye on how Austin Dillon does because I recall he had a real strong car last time around. So those will be my two people to keep an eye on by Kislovsky. I think he'll bounce back from a disappointing Martisville result. All right. I'm gonna go, with go ahead, Richard. Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush. Yep, Kyle, Kyle's overdue for a win. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, you know, Truex is gonna be the first guy to win three races this year. And Truex mm-hmm. will uh, win there. So uh, but uh, so IndyCar, we're getting ready to start the season. We're going down to the Barber Motorsports Park. Outside of Birmingham, Alabama, one of the most beautiful race courses in the country. Uh, you know, the United mm-hmm. States has a lot of very beautiful road courses. Barber is certainly one of those. Uh, if you've never been down there, uh, it's a beautiful place to watch the race. They've got a fantastic museum uh, down there, um, right up there on the grounds that has a, a lot of vintage motorcycles and a, and a lot of vintage race cars. Uh, Barber was... So is Barber the one with all the, like the sculptures in the infield as well of like the spiders and yep. stuff? Yeah, yeah, got the yep. yeah, got the giant spiders, and then it's got uh, That's it. yeah, 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 it's got uh, you know. Don't listen to War of the Worlds while you're there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm interesting stuff there. That's for sure. I know there's something around. There's it's very very grotesque, intriguing, and also just makes it stand out for sure. And I noticed that museum is like. Good grief, you'll lose about an hour or two, maybe more, depending on time availability by looking at those cars. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, Barber was initially put together as a, a course for motorcycles. Mm-hmm. It was a motorcycle racetrack, and then they they added they added in a sports car race, I believe. And then they tried to court the IndyCar series, and they weren't sure if they would do it. They weren't sure if IndyCar would play in the Alabama market. Um, so they, they did the the spring training test at Barber one year and, and the drivers universally liked the circuit. And so then the following year, they uh, went ahead and added it to the schedule and it brings out a great crowd. Um, you know, despite being smack dab in the middle of NASCAR country, you've got a lot of people that come out to watch the Indy cars. And then the race has been there for 10 years. Now you've got a, a fan base down there in, uh, in Alabama, a very, very knowledgeable um, IndyCar fans who uh, who have you know grown to love the race and follow the whole series, and so it's uh, uh, you know it's one of those success stories when you know whenever you add a new event, you never know if it's gonna you know be a be a keeper or if it's gonna be a one and done like uh, the one they tried to do down in New Orleans. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Alabama has become uh, we don't talk and- about it. New Orleans, especially <laughs> Dale Corn Racing. That was brutal. <laughs> Yeah, we don't talk about NOLA. The first rule about NOLA is there is no NOLA. So, and that was, uh, yeah. It, oddly, though, uh, it's not the record for the slowest race ever. Um, despite yeah, that, another one where it was like race, a monsoon came through or something. That race where like basically 95% of the race was cautions. Yeah. yeah literally. Yeah. Literally. So, literally. They would like, get, and it was the rain was awful. And the, the, <laughs> the yeah, it would, if you got if you got off course, it, you know it was like you're just going into the river. There was so much water, you know water on the grass. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty awful there down there. Nola, they they really, uh, you know, and, they, and again, yeah, Nola was is a little club track, right? And they had these guys had such high hopes. They wanted to become the Long Beach Grand Prix of the South, and and they they failed miserably. Um, you know, they they didn't have the infrastructure. The, the, the they found out the track had very poor to zero drainage uh whatsoever so yeah so yeah nola didn't quite survive uh beyond that first year although james hinchcliffe won that one and speaking of hinchcliffe he's back full-time with andretti he'll be uh making his debut as a full-time andretti driver once again at barber uh other people making their debut will be scott mclaughlin jimmy johnson Roman Grosjean, uh, all these guys are very excited. And, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy's been dominating a lot of the talk uh, from, from the media. Obviously, he, uh, his name is very well known in racing circles. He draws a lot of, uh, draws a lot of eyes, uh, you know, and the opinions are split. I mean, there are some of your IndyCar fans that feel he just, he's an old washed up NASCAR driver. Uh, but, uh, 
the guy that would disagree with you probably the most right there is in fact his team owner, Mr. Chip Ganassi, who had some very glowing things to say about um, the effort Jimmy is putting in and his work ethic and his, uh, his ability to adapt. So I'm really kind of interested to see how Jimmy, I don't think he's going to come out and win the season opener. He's not going to, you know, do like a Nigel Mansell. Uh, but I think Jimmy's going to be fun to watch as he, as he learns and grows. And I think obviously McLaughlin is also going to be very fun to watch. Yeah. For the case of Jimmy Johnson, I think I mentioned it already. And my mindset is if he's on par with Marcus Erickson, then there's something there that over time that Johnson will do good. Do I expect him to sneak a win? Like Ganassi said, no, not this season. Who knows? There's going to be a lot of circumstances for that to happen. Do I see him getting at least one podium? It's doable. But we just got to have to see how he does at Barber and at St. Pete. If he does extraordinarily well, or like I said, on par with Erickson, then maybe he'll be he'll adapt quite well. Then after that, it'll be basically mostly Canon, except for the Grand Prix of Indy for a while. Because right, the Texas yeah. doubleheader in the 500. Yep. Um, so. And as what far you as McLaughlin, before, real quick. Yeah, go ahead. I'm curious. I feel like he, short of St. Pete, didn't really go too well. But I think now that he's done more testing and now we have a lot more testing, I feel like he may be, have some promise. He may have a prom, promising chance that he could win as a rookie. I do feel like he's got a Penske card. I, I do. I'm adamant. I'm confident that he'll adapt quite well. I'll be surprised if he's not in the top 10 in points by the end of the month of May. If he's not in that top 10 at, by the end of the month of May, then maybe I'd be hitting the panic button quite a bit. But I really don't see that happening. I think he'll adapt quite well. Well, I think he will adapt quite well. But but for me, just historically, whenever Penske's expanded to four cars, the the the, the spread of the wealth hasn't been hasn't been there. If, if you recall when they first added Pagano as a fourth wheel there, he had a pretty miserable uh, first season with Penske, you know, by Penske, by Penske standards, you know, he didn't, he didn't have a, a Dale Coyne miserable season, but uh, it certainly wasn't the debut season we expected out of Pagano moving over to Penske. But then, you know, one year later, boom, you know, he wins the championship, but that, but again, they scale back to three cars at that point in time. So now they're expanding to four again, so we'll and with Ganassi, the sim, there's some parallels with expansions. Exactly, exactly. I think the last guy with four cars and all four cars got a win was was Andretti, and it was it was back in like '04 when when all all four of his team cars got a win. It would be Frankie, Weldon, Kanan, and Herda. And Herda, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that they all won a race in '04. Uh, but I don't think that the feat of, of having all your all four of your team cars win a race has been repeated. Yeah, it it, it is tough, especially depends who they have in that core lineup. And that's to say Ganassi's gonna be tough. I mean, in fact, I mean, outside of last year when Road Sequence won Road America, it's been mostly just Dixon. Right, they, right. They're gonna yeah. have the more concern of trying to go to 14. Penske, we've seen them do it with two, three. Question is, can he get it with four? And if they do that with McLaughlin. I think they got then I think they've learned a lot and also just to showcase that McLaughlin's still on, in trying to reach his peak as a racing driver. Sure, he he did everything that he had to do to be to accomplish everything at supercars. Now he's going to a different world, but I imagine hoping to do the same thing and also dabble on those ovals because he's the we talked about him. He's the only full time legitimate rookie. Because Grosjean and Johnson are only running the road to three courses with Grosjean, big question mark of gateway. And now even Johnson hasn't ruled out about doing the 500 in the future. Yeah, I guess his, his wife has maybe changed her mind is what they're saying. You know, maybe she maybe she has some uh, confidence in that arrow screen. Uh, but uh, she said, yeah, he said uh, he might be. He might. I, I think the lure of it is strong, you know, especially for, uh, you know, a racer like Jimmy Johnson, you know, to be, to be there and, and around. And, uh, you know, he was, he was, he was present when the other guys were testing in Indianapolis. I think the lure of it is going to be too strong for him to stay away from it forever. And at least 
you know, put that on his resume that he's competed in the Indy- Indianapolis 500 before he calls it a career. Yeah, he'll have that over Gordon, that's for sure, and have that 500 start. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, now, Richard, let's uh, let's talk about Grosjean a little bit because he's he's the one that is more often than not being kind of left out of the the rookie conversation here, uh, being being in the fact that he's you know he's not with uh, a Ganassi or a Penske like these other cats are, no. but uh, you know the, the coin team, you know, is a proven race winning team. They have you know won races. Yep. They run won races with Stefan Wilson. They won races with Bourdais. Um, yep. You know, they've won races with uh, Justin Wilson. What did I say? Stefan Wilson. No, Justin Wilson. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, And and not the chef, Justin Wilson, the race car driver. Um, And they've won races with Mike Conway. So and they they perform well with uh, Santino, you know, very recently. So uh, what what do you think? I mean, is Grosjean uh, does we know he's talented, right? He's got a bit of a bad rap in formula one as crash crashing people out. But then again, he's more often than not run at the back of the grid in F1. Yeah. I mean, I think personally, I think that reputation has gone a little bit. I think, yeah, he did have it in the start of the career. Obviously we all remember back to spa, you know, a few years ago when he like catapulted over the back of four or five cars and almost decapitated a couple of drivers. Um, but you know he's he's come a long way from he's come a long way from those uh, those days, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, typically when guys come over from Formula One into IndyCar that are the big names that have had some experience, you know, it's towards the end of the career. You know, I'm looking at Barrichello; it's probably one of the most successful that's made the move. Um, whereas Grosjean sort of he's what 32, 33 maybe so he's like middle stroke peak of his career you know he's he's got plenty left in the tank there and he's got more of a reputation than maybe an Ericsson had um, in terms of his performance and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on it really well I, I, I genuinely hope that he puts in some really, really strong performances because there's something about Grosjean that I think he's a little bit unlucky with the Haas situation. Um, You know, given the financial situation, the political situation within the team, I don't think he really had any choice. You know, they had, you know, he was always going to lose that seat, not on performance, purely on you know, so the politics of the situation. So it'd be interesting to see what he's got left in him, especially after, you know, the accident that could, you know, that cut short his final season by a couple of races there that we all remember in uh, in Bahrain. You know, is that in the back of his mind? And it must be. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, and, all, and, be- and I want I want to say that even when he was he when he was testing, he was still experiencing some pain in those yeah. hand in his hands that were badly oh, yeah. burned yeah so there's he's a, still still fight fighting through the injury some yeah there's a, a video that i saw on one of the social media channels today and of him you know in the um uh hp hbd is it the uh, the honda performance group their simulator and you know he was driving the the, the, the simulator there without gloves on and you can see there's lots of scarring Unfortunately, still on the back of his left hand, and um, you know it's it, it it it's not nice. But I think what you find is that when these guys get, for want of a better word, in the zone, you know they just forget about that sort of stuff. You know they're there, they're focused, their their attention's locked in. You know they, they these sort of things really don't become an issue. Um, and the way they design these monocoques these days, they can easily create a channel maybe so that his back of his hand doesn't knock the side of the car when he's when he's steering. Because that can happen, you know. I've seen drivers, you know, they'll especially at some circuits like Monaco, they go full lock and their hand will catch the side of the car, which can be off putting to say the least for a guy without serious burns yeah, on the back yeah. of his hand. So um, you know, he, he'll he'll be, you know, I think he'll do well. I really, really hope he does. Um, 
And, you know, just because I think there's something still there in him, I, I don't think he's... It's difficult to say you don't think he deserves not to be in Formula 1 because at the end of the day, you know, he's not in Formula 1, so it doesn't matter whether he deserves it or not. But um, I think his performances over the last few years has been because of the car rather than in spite of the car, you know? Um, you know, the, the Haas last year, you know, I mean, you've got to remember back the Haas two or three years ago when they could have almost got a podium in the opening race if they'd learned how to put the wheels on properly. You know, both Grosjean and Magnussen retired within two or three laps of each other. So, um, I, you know, I, I think the guy will do well, and I hope he does. Yeah, I think the big question mark when it comes to Grosjean is, is not him as the driver, but it's, it's, the, it's the engineering department there at Coin. You know, they've they've they, they had some top engineers in there for a while with with Bordet. You know, between they had Mike Cannon in there and um, Luis, who was the other guy, the Newman Haas guy they had in there. Samson was also part of that Bordet Cannon group, right? Craig. Craig, Craig Craig, yeah. Craig, Craig Hampson, Craig Hampson, yeah. Craig Hampson. So, yeah, he's so, so, isn't he? He's, yep. Yep. And then, and Mike, Mike, and Mike Cannon is engineering Scott Dixon's car, which we saw to a championship last year. So the guys they have at Coin are, and I don't know their names off the top of my head, but they they both worked under Cannon and Hampson, so they've they've learned from those guys, but they're not at that level yet, um, you know. So they, they but that's where Bordet will bring another dynamic. You know, well, Bourdais is driving for AJ Foyt. Sorry, Grosjean. Okay, right nationality, wrong driver. Sorry. Um, you know, that's where Grosjean will bring an extra dynamic. I think the level that he's used to working at, and this is no disrespect to the IndyCar guys, will be on another level. You know, he will demand more and expect more from his engineers and the guys around him to to, to deliver. And I think that as an individual driver, you know, especially, you know, as I said, as I said earlier, you know, somebody in Grosjean's position, you've got to look at it. He's, why is he doing this? You know, he's not like a Marcus Ericsson, for example, who, you know, lost his seat at a relatively young age in Formula One and, you know, wanted to continue, excuse me, to grow his career. And he's not like a Barrichello who's probably, you know, winding down his career. You know, Grosjean, as I say, is, is in the position where he's he's doing this for a reason. He's not doing this as a jolly, you know, or, you know, to try and keep his name in, in the frame. He's doing this because he wants to do it and because he wants to win and he wants to be competitive. And I think that drive that he will bring to the team will negate any of the shortcomings that they have from an engineering department, for sure. Very interesting perspective, Richard. Very interesting. So now, Louise, let's talk about Alexander Rossi. I mean, here's here's a guy who's been kind of up and down. I mean, there, there are days when he's absolutely unbeatable, and, and then there are days when he beats himself on the track. Uh, but uh, we've uh, he's been a, a favorite for the championship the last couple of years, um, but but yet he's not been able to put it all together. And this, I believe, he made some comments recently that that anything anything less than winning the championship for this for this year for him will be unacceptable. Um, do you feel like the, uh, you know, the Andretti team itself has, has been up and down. If you recall the, what we did the, in 2015, when we first added the arrow kits, the, the Andretti team seemed, seemed to be the one that, that even though they did all the testing for the Honda kid, they seemed to be the ones that were farthest behind uh, on, on the track. And, you know, rather than uh, cause they they spent all their, off-season development, developing the aero kit, not really working on race strategy and those sort of things. So um, then they came back a little bit, but, but overall they, they really haven't put up a, a great challenge uh, to the Penske's and Ganassi since, Oh, oh 2012 when uh, Hunter Ray won the championship. That was the last time they won the championship and ready in 2012 with Ryan Hunter Ray. So they've been in the nine, mix. nine long years. Yeah. They've been in the mix. With Rossi, I recall 2018, he was right up there with Newgarden, Dixon, I see Will Power, and even Ron Hunter-Ray had a reach of of a shot of the championship. Yeah, he wants to know him, but it's just bad luck and just a lot of circumstances have been. No further than that finale in 2018 in Sonoma that 
NBCSN infamous or NBC infamously missed the bit that ultimately decided champion were plot into the back of Marco Andretti that cost them any shot of winning that championship away from Dixon. And last year with Rossi, he had pretty much statistically speaking his worst season of his career, of his young career by far. Albeit the second half of the year, he finally got it together and turned it around. Just St. Pete put him back where they were at the start. It was just rough season. They barely hung on to a top 10 championship <laughs> points position. And now yeah. it's I mean, gone. Richard, go ahead. Yeah, there's yeah, a thing that and I've, I've, I've mentioned this on the show before, you know, many times. Um, you know, the, the top teams in any discipline, in any motor, motor racing series, you know, you look at Mercedes, Red Bull in Formula One, you look at you know, Gibbs, Hendrick, uh, Penske to a certain extent in, in NASCAR, you know, um, Ganassi and Penske in, in IndyCar. It's, it's all about preparation at that level or that end of the grid. You, you know, to, to, to put it bluntly, you know, you have, and I've used this analogy before, if there's 10 things that you need to do right to win a race, those top teams that I've just mentioned will get seven or eight of those things right every week. And it can be simple things on preparation, but they'll get them spot on every week. And it means they've got less things that they have to get right to win a race. And I just feel that maybe with the Andretti team, that's maybe where they're lacking a little bit is the preparation. There's something not quite clicking with them. You know, they make silly mistakes. They make mistakes that maybe some of the other teams wouldn't make. And it's just those, you know, those are the things that you've got to get right because you know, Rossi's as as good a driver as anybody in that on that in the field. You know, within a, a tenth or two. So there's no reason why he can't be challenging for for wins every weekend. But some weekends he's just last year and the year before he's just been out at, out to sea, and and you know nowhere near where he needs to be. And it's just executing and getting those little things right when you need to get it right. Yeah, and IndyCar season is too short to uh, knock him out of yeah. the box. Box straw. There's no, there's no playing catch up. I mean, IndyCar, no, you, you, you know, know Power to- said he needs to get that start strong start of the season. Otherwise, he's going to have the same problems where he flourishes. Like I imagine Rossi as well. Rossi as well. Now, even Colton heard of they, they got to start strong. Right, right out right. of the gate. If, I mean, if you look, if you look at chance. what Dixon last year won the first three. Yes, yeah, um, he, that was and, a championship over. Yeah, he, he won the first three, then he finished second in Indianapolis. So yeah. it was, yeah, it, it, he won one almost, more almost after that. So right, yeah, so. but 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 for the second half of the season, he was not quite as dominant as he was. Do what he needs. Well, but again, other people caught up point. to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you look at what they need to do. You know, th- this is a risky business. You know, at the end of the day, so you look at your position that they are in. You know, come halfway through the season, they've won four races or whatever, and come second at Indy, which is you know the double points finish. The guy that won wouldn't be a championship threat. So again, they're making you know gains in those races. So you 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 make you plan correctly. You say, okay, where do we need to finish every race from here to the end of the season to win a championship? You know, yeah, we need to finish top five. Okay, well, what are we going to do to guarantee that to to, to execute that plan with the least number of variables. And, you know, you could argue that's not the right way to race. You know, you should be pushing all the time to try and win every race. And, yeah, maybe you should. But, sorry, guys, that's just the way it is. You know, you, um, you know, you, you've got a championship to win at the end of the day, and you do what you can do, and you do what you need to do to make that happen. And what Ganassi did last year, um, you know, and it's also, the, you know, last year as well, we talk about, you know, the guys at Coin, for example, having an engineering restructuring. The guys at Ganassi had an engineering restructure as well last year, and they didn't skip a beat. If anything, it made them stronger. So, well, I mean, the guy they brought in was Mike Cannon, who's one of the best in the business. So, exactly. So, I mean, yeah. So the the, the, the restructuring was an upgrade. Just, just yeah. saying. <laughs> yes. But but I, as I we were talking about uh, you know Penske and Ganassi expanding to four cars, at the same time we have Andretti decreasing from five cars to four cars. 
So I, I kind of wonder if that will help them because Andretti's been, uh, you know, running the larger, the larger and the largest team uh, for for decades. You know, since uh, since they came on the scene in 2003 with uh, four teams and they've been running five the last couple of years. So maybe scaling back to four will, will allow them to put a little more focus on each of the, each of the four cars they have there. Cause you've got, uh, uh, you know, you know, Rossi obviously can be very strong. Hunter race still got a lot left in the tank. Um, Hinchcliffe, uh, Hinchcliffe has something to prove. And then, of course, Colton Hurd is the rising star. So you've got uh, you've got decent talent behind the wheel here, but only you've only got the four guys rather than the the fifth one to work on. So I wonder if that will play to their advantage. You know, where maybe expanding will play to the disadvantage of the Penske's and Ganassi's. Just you know, time will tell with that. And don't forget, even last year they had the Harding entry. So theoretically speaking, there were six of them. Just the Harding the Harding Steinbrenner entity is gone. It's now pretty much. Colton and the main Andretti K, but of course the 98 is only going to be part-time with Marco and question question marks on Sage Karam if he'll run it at any point. But other than that, I think it'll help them go into four cars because they've just focused on those four guys. There's really, they can't afford any weaknesses because remember Colton's going to a car that's just has not had the best of results in a long while, that 26 car. So we're curious to see how he does in that car. That's quite frankly, in some people's like the weakest end ready car of the whole bunch. Uh, the 29 with Hitchcliffe. Well, I, come we'll on, see. Man. How's that the weakest car of a whole bunch when Marco was there for years? Marco, mm-hmm. the past couple, the past couple years. I want, I want to say that uh, probably Veach was better than Marco on a lot of occasions, but uh, just Veach yeah. could not find consistency enough. That's that's what I'm getting my point across. Compared right, to right, 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 the 27 right. and the 28. Well, I mean, as good as Herta has been, he's he's not been wildly consistent. That is true. He was you better know? about it last year compared to the year before where he got true, all yeah. the last place finishes. So this would be key for him to just not just get even more stronger finishes because I think what have how he got third is probably because he was there at the right place of right side, collected the most points necessary, where the other ones, the usual strong ones on a race-by-race basis, had a lot of woes. And I look at Penske, and I definitely look at Simon Pagano, who basically, as Penske were getting it together in the second half, Pagano was MIA in the second yeah. half after those Iowa, after the win at Iowa. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to really just say, when it comes to winning championships, Ganassi does it better than anybody. That you is know. true. If, if, you know, if, if, that's primarily Dixon, but still. Well, Dixon, well, plus, you know, coupled with Frank Eady. Frank Eady won three with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about more or less since Frank Eady had to retire. Right, yeah. Well, it's been, you know, Dixon was the heir apparent to the throne. Uh, you know, he's now the king of Ganassi. Uh, but, but you know, championship-wise, I mean, if you look at – Will Power could have won three or four championships instead of just the one, but he lost them all to Ganassi. Well, he lost the one to uh, Hunter Ray. Um you know, and and Pagano probably could have won uh, another one there, but he lost that one to his own teammate. Um, but yeah, when it, when it comes to the championship <clears throat> planning preparation, uh, the the whole season planning, I, I think nobody does it better than Ganassi, and those are and Dixon once again is going to be the guy to beat. So, a quick question for you guys: I'd be interested to get your opinion on this. Where? If if willpower doesn't win the championship this year, at least contend strongly, where do you think that leaves him? Especially if somebody like McLaughlin comes in and competes and puts you know puts it to him for want of a better word. Well, that is an interesting point. You know, it's, I think it's... he might still be around because who else could be could jump into Penske or who does Penske want to go for? Because I think he can't get Ross because he's in a multi-year deal. I think. Yeah. If, uh, from, yeah. So he was, he Rossi, was if, the main guy he wanted to get when he was in a contract season before he decided to stay with Andretti. Yeah, contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on. You know that. <laughs> well, I mean, we've I seen, know you, mean. you know, we, we've seen, you know, both Montoya and Castro Nevis put out to pasture at Penske. So, uh, you know, Will Power's got a Rogers. The captain's pretty brutal when he wants to be. Yeah. So there's so Will can't assume that Tom Sneba after winning no races, but the championship. Yeah. Will Will can't uh, 
sit on the laurel of having, you know, won the most IndyCar races of any Penske driver in history, you know, and winning a 500 in a championship. That's that, that only goes so far, you know, just like, uh, uh, you know, Hunter Ray is another guy that you got to kind of figure is on the, the back end of his career as well. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, and there's always the possibility because, you know, when they, when they expanded to four cars to get Pagano on the team, they, they quickly, the, the next year dropped back to three and sent Montoya to sports cars. It could very yeah. well, well be that uh, if Will doesn't perform this year, you know, he's uh, they go back to three cars and he finds himself as the, you know, the Indy only entrant or whatnot. So, you know, I think I think. And Will, I mean, Pagano hasn't exactly been standout, you know. You, yeah, that's you do. Yeah, it could you be look at the, you look at the Penske lineup and it's 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 strong, but it's certainly been. You know, it hasn't been consistent the last couple of years. And you, you know, you, 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 you could quite easily see if they don't win races on a regular basis, one or two of them being out at the end of the season. Oh, so yeah, both those guys. Both, I, I think Simon and Will, neither one is, is remarkably safe. You know, they, they were thinking Pagano was on his way out before he won Indy in 19. You know, people thought yeah. Will was on his way out before he won Indy. You know, uh, winning Indy is, does a lot for Roger. He does like that. That's a, that's a good way. To, <laughs> that is a good, that is, that is, that is a good way to keep your job. It's amazing uh, how that works. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think both those guys careers, you know, were, were lengthened by Indy 500 win for sure. But yeah, will used to be good for four or five, maybe six race wins a year. You know, yeah. now, now, now he's good for one or two, you know, the, yeah, exactly. Um, but you got to slow them down and qualify, but you just got to have to back it up now with these race wins. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But even I mean, if you look at the IndyCar field overall, you've, you've got a lot of guys. The, the, there are a lot of guys in there over 40. You know, you, yeah. Dixon's 40 now. Hunter Ray's 40. Um, Powers 40. Um, Sato's 45. Um, you know, you know, funny. I was looking at uh, Johnson is forty five, but he's a John, John, Johnson. He's a rookie, yeah. But then you got these guys, the Indy five hundred only guys, right? You know, Canon forty six, Castro Nevis is forty five, Montoya is forty six. You know, there's there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of seats will be open for young guys in the next couple of years. You know, it's I, yeah. I don't. Um, but but at the same time, it bodes well for the over forty five set. I was I was just you know looking at. Uh, how many guys are over 45, you know, and, and, and you got to think this just dawned on me a little bit. You got to think depending how Kyle Kirkwood does, how he factor in with the whole Andretti and also brought up Penske. Cause you know, because who will they, you've talked about power and Pagano. We got to think about the same thing as Andretti because you depending on sponsorship money, additional sponsorship money, Kyle Kirkwood, will also play a role as far as the future of Andretti Autosport. Certainly. Yeah. And, and Hunter Ray is only, uh, you know, as, as good as, as long as uh, DHL wants to stay on, there was a question this year, whether or not DHL was going to sign for another year, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you, if you lose your sponsor that likes you, uh, Michael doesn't hesitate to, you know, send you packing. I mean, ask, yep. uh, you know, ask Tony Kanaan after Seven Eleven dropped, you know, or ask, uh, Ask Hinchcliffe after um, GoDaddy dropped out or the United Fiber Data. Uh, so, you know, you're only as good as what uh, uh, what the sponsor thinks of you, too. So, and as far as I know, Verizon is pretty happy with Will. I mean, even though they've dropped the series sponsorship, they've stayed on Will's car. So, I, I don't... And they're pretty embedded with the whole Penske organization, aren't they? Certainly, certainly. So. And now that Penske runs a series, I think they're pretty safe there, but I think Verizon would be just as happy to put their name on new gardens car as they were willpower. You know, I, I honestly don't think that, that it makes a, a bit of a difference. Um, exactly. It's publicity, exactly. isn't it? It's, it's whatever gets the biggest bang for the buck. And I think, unfortunately for, you know, for willpower, it, you know, it's probably his new garden right now. And, and for the foreseeable future, I mean, what is Joseph now? 28, 30. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah I think he's, uh, I think he's right at 30. So, uh, you know, he's got another 10 I, years yeah. in it. You know, he's got another 10, 12 years at the top of it, you know, and no disrespect to willpower. He just doesn't have that. And, you know, you look at Scott Dixon, he's got better with age. You know, Will's struggling a little bit. 
compared to, um, yeah, compared to the way he was driving five, six years ago. Yeah, he is yeah. compared to the willpower who could go out and win almost any race anywhere. And maybe he's created that, you know, reputation. You know, maybe he was too good 10 years ago or five years ago. You know, now we look at him and we go, oh, you know what? He's not driving great. Well, he's maybe driving just as well. But, you know, maybe there's other good drivers out there now that weren't around five years ago. So maybe he's been, yeah. you know, the, the playing field's a little bit more level. And yeah, the competition is a little stiffer, yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's created this sort of, like, expectation that we all have for him to go out and win five or six races a year. And, you know what? Winning one or two is actually a good year now. You know, certain, yeah, yeah it certainly Dixon is. Dixon had a freak year last year. We just clicked with them perfectly. But again, preparation. Exactly. Preparation, like you say. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go ahead and pick a winner for Barber. Uh, Christopher DeHarty, who's not with us, not asked me to go ahead and plug in Joseph Newgarden for sure. uh, for his. But yeah, sure. sure. I mean, New Garden's won there three times. Why not? Why not one more? I bet so, DeHarty's uh, fun at the casino, isn't he? I bet he goes for the uh, sticks all his money on. <laughs> Red 15 or whatever it is, isn't it you know he... <laughs> all right so so what what do you oh, think boy. richard who do, who do you like for barber uh barber 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 it could be anybody couldn't it you really don't know let's go mclaughlin let's let's really shake it up mclaughlin he goes there and wins his Wins the first race of the season. Wins it. Wins in his debut. That would be awesome to see. Well, you know, uh, he did race St. Pete last year, didn't he? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, okay. Uh, you're right. You're right. Stark. All right. And Louise, you know, you know what do you yeah, think? debut. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think Dixon finally doesn't finish second. I think he'll finally win one at Barber. All right. And then what if I just go way out of the box and say that Takuma Sada wins? Here, here's another guy yeah. who just not a bad he's won there before, any winner. Yeah, he's won there yeah, before. he's won, yeah. he has won there before. Yep, yep, but uh, yeah, the last one before the pandemic canceled last year's event, right? Yes, he did. Well, so, you know, uh, who, you know, who we haven't mentioned at all on the IndyCast seen this, you know, throughout this whole discussion is either is any of the McLaren guys, yeah, and I think you know, they've, they've got a award. Very strong team this year. I think Award's going to contend for the championship. Yeah, he's going to be right up there. So wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if they don't nick a win or two here and there. No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think they've got uh, you know they got last year solidly under their belt. They had a great year last year. You know, they didn't get a win, but I think McLaren's good for a couple of wins. They learned a lot though under They're difficult winning. circumstances. They learned a lot, and I think I think Montoya is a threat to win the five hundred. I mean, yeah. You know, here's a guy who has the ability to walk away from something for several years, come back and win it again. He, he's done that uh, time and again. And oddly enough, if he if he happens to win, he will break Al Unser Senior's record of the the longest span of time between first Indy win and last Indy win. Mm, there you go. Yep, because it'll be 21 years since his first win, and uh, Al, Al Unser is uh, 17 years between his first win and his fourth win. So Montoya already has the record for the longest span between two and two, two of his own indie wins. Which what is, would uh, Castro Neves be if he won? Well, his last one was in 09, right? So that yeah, was his first, his his first win four. was in 2001. Mm-hmm. So, be so the, he'd be 20 years as well. Yeah, yeah he, would, he, he could break that record as well. Certainly. Yeah. 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 And if Buddy Lazier jumped in and won, <laughs> he'd, smash, he'd smash the record. So well, Buddy shows up every now and again, but I, I think he, I think he's finally finally he done. Yeah, he hasn't showed up since what six years, seventeen. So it's bit yeah. Oh, yeah, he hasn't showed up since they've been able to get thirty three cars without ringing up his phone and say, "Buddy, we we got a little money for you here. You want to come and be car number 33. So, but but yeah, Buddy hasn't been back since they've been able to fill the field. So. Well, my gosh, we are out of time. So, but let's quickly put in a pick for the Formula One race, which is uh, being held in Imola. And Louise, what are they calling that race? Since you practice pronouncing it, I don't want to uh, rob you of the opportunity to say that on the air. <laughs> the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix, which is known as the race at Imola. And who do you like for the win? 
Let's go with Verstappen in this one. And I do feel like George Russell will get a top 10 at long last with Williams, which will likely be 10th. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's actually uh, quite possible. Now, Richard? I think that's a pretty good shot there by Luis. Um, I'm going to go for Checo just to make sure. I think. I think Red Bull will learn from their mistakes and they won't make the same ones again this year and uh, they'll, they'll get the job done. Uh, oh, sorry, this week, sorry. And they'll get the job done. And uh, Verstappen still won't win a race in Italy and uh, it'll be uh, Checo, Sergio Perez that gets, uh, gets over the line first this weekend. Okay, yeah, that's uh, that's a good pick. That would be interesting to see because we've we've talked about how uh, you know how Perez will do against uh, Verstappen with Verstappen as a solid team leader. I think the Red Bulls are going to be strong once again, but but I feel like at the end of the day, it's going to be same old, same old, and, and Lewis Hamilton adds another one to his massive list of list of wins. So I don't know. It's really not going out on much of a limb to say that Lewis Hamilton will win a Formula One race, but. Uh, I'll say it. So, <laughs> but uh, that'll be, that'll be a race worth talking about next week uh, because Imola, one of the classic circuits, I'm, you know, so glad it's back on the calendar. It was very entertaining last year. It'd be fun to watch it again this year. Uh, but that being said, we are out of time. So I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network and iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And I want to thank you, Louise and Richard. And I want to thank you folks for listening to us. And until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 